know my sin and shame and love you and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the me in your cleansing flow. Now I know your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne. Crown you Oh, 
our Lord God Almighty reigns. Hallelujah.
You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. Thou, Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. Alleluia. Jesus, also known as the Crusaders Hymn, was published in Gesenbuch Munster in 1677. The text was translated first in 1850 and translated again into English by Joseph A. Seiss in 1873. The music was composed in 1842 by H. A. Hoffmann von Falsleben, I hope I did that right, in 1842 and arranged into the song as we know it now by Richard S. Willis in 1850. The scripture basis for the lyrics is Psalm 45, verse 2, which says, Thou art fairer than the children of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace, since God has blessed you forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful blessing of Jesus Christ, incarnation to this world. 
and the beauty he exposed us to through his person, through his being, through his incarnation. And Holy Father, we just can't thank you enough for all that he has done for us and is doing in our lives right now. We give you praise, God, and we ask you now accept these gifts and offerings that we give as a token of the blessedness we feel because of your blessings you poured upon us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, Father in heaven, how 
wonderful it is and what a privilege it is to come before the throne of heaven and to be able to speak to you, lay out all our concerns and our worries of our hearts. Sometimes we can't fathom <clears throat> that you, the God of all eternity, of all the stars in the earth, and as we just sang of the, the beauty of Christ, that by his grace you listen to us, you know our needs, and you care for us. And today, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. Today, Lord, we bring to you again a world that's troubled. We know it's under the curse of sin. But we've seen again hot spots. We've seen the Israel and the whole situation that's going on there. We see other places in our world and even in our own country where people are being shot on the streets and kids going to universities are being shot and children in little grade schools are being shot. And, oh, Lord, our hearts get so broken and we are surprised when it happens. But we know, Lord, that this is all the cause of the fallenness of mankind and his sin. And, Father God, we ask that we, the church of Jesus Christ, can be the ones that you called us to, to be the salt, the cleansers, the purifiers, the one who stands in the gap and brings the gospel to this world, the changing gospel that changes hearts of men and women in a world that's systematically against you, Lord. We pray for fighters, Lord, in our Congress and in our Senate. We pray for fighters on the judicial benches of this country. We pray for fighters in leadership that your righteousness will reign. And today, Heavenly Father, too, we bring to you the church. Again, we hear of the situations that are brewing in other congregations and in even uh, in other churches throughout the world. And how the world continues to try to sneak in there. Lord Jesus, I pray for men of righteousness and women of righteousness who will stand for the truth. That, Father God, we in our church here can be known for the truth that we stand for and the love that we bring and the gospel that we share to this world. And, Father, we pray for our president and for the Congress and for the judges, the mayors and the city council and the boards of the counties and the people in the state house, all these people, Lord, that should know like our early nation's fathers did. And now, Father, we bring to you our, our joy of going and moving forward in our church. We pray that it's just not an action of nicety and to look good, but that, Father God, it actually moves us even further down the road to doing your will. And today, Heavenly Father, I pray for our church, for the people in it, for the children and grandchildren that have come through here, Lord, that their lives may be pleasing to your sight.
We pray for those in our congregation who we know are struggling. We think of the Shuddens who want to come here on Sunday morning but can't. We think of Lucille and for Joyce and for Karen. I pray for especially Joyce and for the surgery that she had on her back. We pray for those that mourn, those who've lost loved ones this year and years past. For those lonely spots in their lives. We praise you, Lord, for Howard after he had his back surgery, how well he's doing. We pray also for another Howard in our congregation who full of fell and gets the help that he needs. We think of our brother Everett. And we think of Angie and Samantha and Jason. All these, Lord, who are battling cancers. I pray for my friend in our Bible studies that have tremendous losses. For David, who lost his son a week ago and found him at 38 years old and died. I pray for another man in our Bible study who daughter and boyfriend and husband are all dead. Murder and suicide. These are the world, Lord, that is in our world, Lord, and these people are hurting. We pray for them to give them peace of mind. I want to pray also, too, for Christine and for her health issues. We pray for Nick as we lift Nicholas up forward for the surgery that's impending, Lord, that you provide the doctors and the place very well, Lord, that will bring a repair for his condition and give him strength. I pray for Mr. Mack, our, one of the teachers at our school that's battling cancer. I pray also too, Father God, and praise you, Lord, for Johnny, who came back after he was missing for weeks. What a miracle that was, Lord. We pray also for Connie and Evelyn's family as they grieve over their loss. We think of Floyd Roadharmer, who's going to begin his chemo treatments, Father, bring healing to him. We thank you for also our brother Howard's grandson, who got in a severe car accident on a call for the sheriff's department. And yet, we thank you, Lord, that he's now been restored to health and able to go back in his car and serve the community. Father, thank you for all these blessings and for those that have things inside of them right now. We want to pray especially for Tom and for his wife who is really struggling right now with her health, Lord. I just pray for Kay. Bring her healing. And Lord, in the quietness of our hearts right now, there's people and things that we need to lift up to you. Hear our prayers as we utter them in our hearts. And Father, now we ask you to open up your word to us. Help us to hear what we need to hear. And not only hear it, but put it into action, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Some of you who've been to Italy have heard and even seen a place called the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Which eventually, if not without assistance of scientists and engineers, it would have easily collapsed. In fact, that 179-foot tower in Italy 
was built in 1173, but has moved off the plumb line 17 feet off plumb line. And through many renovations of that old building and work, there are two problems with that building that has caused it to be leaning in near collapse. One of the reasons is because of Piazza, P-I-S-A, we spell it, not pizza. We're very familiar with that. Piazza, though, means marshy land. And that building was built in marshy swamp. And also, it was built with a foundation that was only 10 feet deep. Now, that's a problem. And that's why engineers from all over the world have been helping trying to keep that baby up. Even though it's a wonderful masterpiece of people going to watch, it could easily clap. We've seen it on TV, haven't you? I remember going to New Jersey after a hurricane to visit where I usually go to the beach. And I saw a beach that was ripped up. Miles of boardwalk just totally devastated like a bunch of little toothpicks. And see buildings that were made out of wood totally devastated. We've seen it on TV. Some of you experienced it in your homes in Florida. I remember as a kid when a hurricane came, we were about 25 miles inland of the ocean. And yet we had this huge oak tree. Thank the Lord it didn't hit our house, but it went down in our backyard. It could have devastated our home. But it might have even killed one of us while we were sleeping. And it happened in the middle of the night. But now they're building homes along the coastlines. No longer out of wood. But now they're putting in iron, steel. And putting in reinforcements so those buildings, those big huge houses that we see along the coastlines, don't collapse into the water. We've seen it in... Long Island, where million-dollar mansions just totally get overtaken by the wind and the rain. Well, today Jesus is giving us an architectural lesson, an engineering lesson about our hearts. And he's been doing that for the last several weeks as we've been going through his Sermon on the Mount. And as he's been teaching us how blessed we are, what our job is, is to be the salt and the light of the earth, and also... How to implant the true word of God in our hearts. Yes, the Pharisees had the word, but they were not understanding it the way God wanted. They used it in a way that they could feel good about themselves and make themselves really good looking in the community. But they had no clue what God really meant by it. Like we remember, he said, Thou shalt not commit murder. And yet he went on to say, if you say things nasty about people... What are you doing? You're murdering their character. If you look at woman lustfully, you're committing adultery. That's the standard. And Jesus is saying that's the standard for us as disciples of Jesus. And yet we're saved by grace, thank God. But also, we're to have our righteousness way beyond the most religious people of the world. Because you see, our faith... It's not just religion. No, it's bigger than that. 
It's a heartfelt communion with our Lord Jesus who has implanted himself through the Holy Spirit inside of us so that we could live lives that are pleasing in his light, sight. And that we can gain the victory because Christ gained it for us on the cross. And that we have the power to live this life. And how powerful that is. And here on the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is bringing in the closing statements. Do you remember what he said? Some of those powerful things he said. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Many go down that road. Many believe that they're saved and don't have a clue. They're not. Yesterday I was with 157 people in a barn. Doing a memorial service for a man. Many of them. I wondered how many really knew where they were going. The man was a wonderful man and with friends. He had nice characteristics, but many of the times it was a party and it was fun. And, and there's nothing wrong with having fun. With the exclusion of Jesus. One of the hardest things this world does not see. The beauty of Christ and what he's done as we just sang. Beautiful Savior. Fairest Lord Jesus. And it's very easy to miss. His importance. Yesterday I used an illustration that I haven't used in years. But I love the illustration. Some people don't like me using that illustration because it's pretty nasty. It is about a father who worked with the Pennsylvania Railroad. And at that railroad, they have certain places where they have these huge rivers that span, but they needed bridges to go across them, so they built bridges. But the bridges, some of them were not high enough for the boats to get through. So they had to hire men to go and sit in the tower and wait for those ships to come in. And they'd lift up so that the boat could go and then bring it down when they heard a train coming. And this father was one of those men. And when he heard that there was a train coming that day, his son was off from school. The mother had to go to work, so he took them with him. And they were sitting on this concrete slab right above the mechanisms of that bridge. That father whole heard that sound and he said to his son, Stay here. Don't get up. I'll be back. And he went up and climbed up to the tower where he had to throw the shift lever to get that bridge down and that father went up there and as he was about ready to push the lever he heard a cry and it was his son his son had got up and fallen into that gear mechanism and could not get himself out of it and that father had a decision to make do I try to run down there and get my son out of that? 
I don't have enough time to get down there and get back. And the train is coming and there's 300 people on their way to Pennsylvania, to Philadelphia. What am I going to do? And as he heard his son's cry, and he heard the train whistle, he pulled that lever. And that child was crushed in those gears. And as the train went across with nobody recognized his sacrifice, they were drinking coffee, reading the paper, taking a snooze before work on that train. But nobody recognized the sacrifice that that father gave, he gave his son so those 400 people could live. And there are people in this world who don't see Jesus. The sacrifice that he gave, people that go to church, they don't recognize that Jesus died for them, that the father sent him to do that for them. And they miss it. And as Jesus Closes this sermon today. He says there's a lot of people who are great professors of the faith. Remember he talked about that last week. Oh, their profession is great. Lord, Lord, it's the double whammy. They not only recognize he's special, but he's wonderful. But in that passage, if you notice what he said... Their profession was wonderful. They understood it, but they didn't have him as Lord of their lives. In fact, they even said, Lord, we did some miracles for you. They were unbelievable. We had a successful ministry, Lord. And Jesus said, I never knew you. Jesus knows when we're make easy beliefs of them. You just listen to the radio sometime. How people can just say a certain prayer and they're covered. Now they can go out and do whatever they want. No, that's not the Bible. We just went through Three chapters where Jesus says the challenge as Christians, we are going against the, the tide. We're going against the culture. And when we come to Christ, our nature is changed and we live like him. And Jesus says, though, the importance is the choice you made. And what are you building your life on? You can get on the internet and you can find a lot of motto, mot, mottos to follow. But they won't save anybody. Jesus says you've got to build it on a strong foundation. Jesus uses this illustration about two builders. How they build it and what kind of foundation they build. Jesus says it well. Therefore, everyone... Who hears these words of mine and acts on them. May be compared to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. 
and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. That's Jesus' promise to us, no matter where you've been or no matter what you've done. The foundation is Christ. And the foundation is sure. And it's something that we all know, and Jesus is saying it here, we're going to have tribulations in our life. You and I are going to have storms in our life that are going to come from nowhere. And there's no meteorologist who's going to tell you when it's coming. And all of a sudden you get hit by it. This past month, I was with five different families who were hit by something that they never imagined would ever happen to them. Could you imagine not hearing from a child and going to their house and finding them dead on the floor at 38 years old. Can you imagine waking up in the middle of the night and finding your partner not breathing anymore? Can you imagine coming home and finding a set of papers that says, I don't want to be your partner anymore. These things happen. There's a variety of trials that come our way, Jesus says. As Job said, man is born with trouble as surely as the sparks fly upward. We got it. And the key is what we built on. What's our foundation that's going to anchor us as we go through the circumstances? And keep us from falling apart. And having us collapse. We're going to face all kinds. And even at the end. Who knows what's going to happen. I've had more people come to me about anxiety. About what's happening in America today. And are afraid for our country. Have nights of sleeplessness about it. And they've made professions. They believe in Jesus. But it's the thing of letting go and trusting him fully. Oh, that's the tough one. There's all kinds of stresses that we can get hit with. All kinds of difficulty, financial. And we can listen and read and all that, but if it's not inside of us, and we're not being held by the rock, Jesus Christ, we're going to struggle. You see, true faith means obedience. Walking in his ways. Trusting him no matter what the storm is going to hit us. He's going to make us stand tall. It includes us growing in him and abiding in him because even if everything else goes out the window, he's still God. He's still got us. 
He keeps us from the storm. He gives us peace in the storm. It includes inside of us the true meaning of understanding who we are and we need repentance and come to him because we only can trust in him at all. There's nothing else. You know your righteousness. I know my righteousness. It doesn't do well. I need Christ to still forgive me all the time. And you see the truth about the faith in Christ that you will find as you continue to trust him more and more through your trials. That as you persevere through it, and as he holds you through it, you not only survive, he will help you grow and deepen in your relationship with him and make you stronger. And you know what you find out when you go through these things? I discovered this probably 50 years ago, 40 years ago. That you think, oh, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And you find out, no, it's not. Because this happens. And it's up above that. You go, oh my. And then you think this is the worst thing could ever happen. And then guess what happens? This happens. And what you find out is that these are storms that God places in our lives to prepare us for the next one. And to go another rank and getting closer to him and deepening our faith. Each one of us has a growing edge. God knows exactly what you need to grow. And sometimes he will hit us at that spot and put the pressure on let the storm come and help us to grow deeper in him as we go through it and as we grow through it we learn how to thrive because he is carrying us we're not afraid to face it and that we see ourselves growing through it. Some of the things we may not like. I know when sometimes God does that to me. I don't like it. But when I get through it. I'm grateful. For what he's taught me. And how much more he's helped me to help others. As they go through the same thing. And the struggle is tough. Sometimes you'll find people. Who will try. <laughs> I know some of you have had this at your work experiences. Or with supervisors. or People who really want to put the heat on you. But you trust God through those times. And you look to God to help you grow through it. Yeah, stand up when you need to stand up. But really let God teach you. So that you have a foundation that's not of sand. But a foundation that is solid and will not rattle you. It's like the little boy who had this kid. Every summer they went to the summer home at the Jersey Beach. 
And this kid would build these beautiful sandcastles, and he just enjoyed doing them. But there was this one nasty little kid named Steve, who was about two years bigger than him. And every time he built those beautiful castles, that kid would come and kick it over. You know, Satan does that to you, to me. He'll kick that sand castle that you built over. I'm going to test you. Well, that little boy, one year, grew wiser. And that year, he built another sand castle. And as he built that sand castle, guess who comes down the beach? Steve. And he's mocking him, and then he goes to kick the sandcastle, not realizing the kid he was bullying put cinder blocks under his sandcastle. And big old Steve gave him a kick, and all of a sudden he was grabbing his foot and jumping up and down. Why? He's got hurt. He never kicked another sandcastle over. And folks... God wants to strengthen us to have that solid foundation. Not to get rattled, but to trust Him. And that no matter what storm comes your way, you can stand it. The problem is, is when there are people who don't make that choice. There are people who just build their house on unsolid ground. Jesus makes it very clear. Everyone among who hears these words of mine. And here's the thing. They hear the words, folks. We as Christians, we hear the words of gospel. We got the Bible and it teaches us and we've got all kinds of things. But if, and this is what Jesus is coming to, and does not act upon them, will be like a foolish man. Who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell. And the floods came. And the winds blew. And slammed against that house. And it fell. And great was the fall. Here Jesus is making it very plain. There are people who come to this world that will not build on the sound foundation of Christ. They make it up as they go along. When that loved one dies, I sometimes I cringe, but I try not to show my emotion. Well, they made the trip beyond the Rainbow Bridge. That's the hope they have. Nothing about Christ. No hope. We have changed in funerals. I don't know if you know that. But a lot of funerals today, we don't call them funerals anymore. What do we call them? Celebrations of life. You know why we've done that? Because people don't want to hear about the gospel. They don't want to hear that Jesus died to save them and give them eternal life. Because they don't have it. So what do we do? We celebrate what they did in this life. And we celebrate who they were as people. And that's nice. But you know what? It never ceases to amaze me. 
when I can sit by a deathbed of somebody and talk to them about their eternal life and they know it because they know Jesus and they're ready to go. This past week, I was called to a home of an old friend and his wife had asked me to come. She had, a, as a little girl, came to this church. And her husband and their family are very strong Christians. And he had cancer that he had battled for several years. Very prominent family in the community. But I remember talking to him several times. And this last time he was in a semi-coma. But when I talked and talked to him about the hope that we shared and about Jesus is going to come and take him, he got that little smile on his face because he knew. Some of you remember some of the people in our church. I can remember Frank Wonka, Ron McReynolds, some of the others that we had in our congregation that are escaping my mind today that have died. To know that I could stand up here and proclaim Christ and that they were ready and they're in the presence of Jesus today because Christ had them. They had built their lives on the solid ground of Christ and that they were standing with him today. You know, there comes such a peace over our hearts that they're going to be okay. Oh, you know, it doesn't sometimes stop the sadness of a missing here. I remember walking down the hallway with my dad and my mom, because both of the New Jersey, about halfway into their cancer, I was able to go visit with them. The hardest walk I ever had was down those hallways. Because I knew that I'd never see them here again. And that uh, we knew each other, we'd see them in heaven again. This past week, my Uncle Bob, I talked about him last week, who donated the money to build by this land here that we're sitting on today. That Uncle Bob had some shares that he had worked with Intel and he needed to have a tax write-off, and he thought of me. <laughs> I guess when I wore those jeans with holes in it, it helped. But a <laughs> pity poor preacher. But he had heard that we wanted land, and God moved in his heart to take the stock that he had made so well on, and he tithed it. And he gave half to his own Presbyterian congregation in Pennsylvania. And then he gave half to us here. And little did I know the blessing that was. Because when they had a bid on this property, this church that we had found out had it, 
We had a bid against our friends next door. They had bid 90,000. And I had 92,000 in stock, and it was a blind bid. And I thought, well, let's put the whole thing on the ranch. And we got this land by God's providence. And you see, I know my Uncle Bob. Sometimes we'd get on the phone and we'd be talking for hours <laughs> until his Alzheimer's kicked in. We talked about Calvin, <laughs> and he loved to read Calvin. And he loved the word, and he taught in his Sunday school class and just had a dynamic. His son is a pastor now. But you see, the hope is there because he's built on the rock. His life was on the rock. And in his dealings with all the work that he did and the places that he dealt with and the sales that he made, he always wanted people to know that Jesus was part of his life. You see, there's a lot of people who are nice people, but there are also people who are shallow nice people. They don't know anything about their future. They have no hope of the glory. They're living for now. If you read in the book of Daniel, Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar, they were shallow people, even though they had a lot of wealth and a lot of power and a lot of the things this world acclaims for. Daniel goes and says, well, you know what? God's numbered and weighed and divided you. He's going to put you on the rack, Daniel. Your friend Nebuchadnezzar is going on the rack. Belshazzar. And the party's over. And he's going to reveal who you really are. You see, because he didn't have his life built on the rock. But Daniel did. That's what Daniel was thrown into the lion's den for not praying to the King. Daniel was treated miserably, but you know what? He didn't care because he was on the rock. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fire. Didn't even have smell on their clothes when they got out of the fire. Why? Because they were built on the rock. And Jesus says to us, it's not only just knowing what I say. But it's doing it, practicing it, living it, experiencing me in your life so that you can show the world there's a difference. One of the most exciting things you can ever do as a believer is the way you work and the way you live your life that somebody says to you and comes up to you and finally and says, what makes you so different? Ah, there you go. You got the opening. Lay it on him. Jesus touched my life. And he's made the difference in my life. That's what we can say. That's why I'm blessed even when the crisis comes. That's why I'm at peace when the struggles are there. Because I know who holds the future. And he's got me in his hand. He's not going to let me go. 
And when you're answered and they go to the doctor and they say, well, you got stage four cancer. Okay, Lord, where do we go from here? What do you have for me to learn here? How can I be a witness with this? As I go see the doctors and the nurses and all these people who are trying to keep me alive. But I can show what's really living in my heart, which is you. You know, when the people heard Jesus, and he talks about this choice, and about where you're building your hope. The Bible says that the people were stunned. And when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teachings. For he was teaching them as one having authority, not as their scribes. Because Jesus knew it. He was God. He was telling them the out and out truth about this life and what holds us together. In the, the Bible, the word in the Greek, it's amazing what Jesus uses. Or the, the, the writer Matthew uses. There's two words in the Greek that can be used. And he uses the one that means they were struck out. They were so overwhelmed at the power of his teaching. They recognized it as something more than just an amazing thing. They saw an authority and power so far beyond that they'd ever seen before in their lives. And that's what Jesus got. That's why we have this beautiful thing called the Bible and the Gospels. It gives us just what we need. So that we can be, and I hope, when you open up the Bible, I hope you don't go with it and thinking, oh, hum, hum, I got to get my devotions done. Oh, I got so much on my mind, I don't really have time for this. Don't think that way. But every time you pick it up, be prepared to be struck. Amazed in your heart. Of this eternal being who puts this stuff down for us. In his word. To make us alive. To enjoy his presence. And what we need for every day to live. And carry us through. And be assured. That no matter what. Tomorrow's not promised to us. But you know what? Today I'm walking with him. Tomorrow I'll be walking with him. And no matter what he chooses from happen to me, it doesn't matter. Because I know he loves me and he's in control. And I don't have to come today as a disobedient person to find my way, to make me feel better. Or to be a spiritually indifferent person to God. But rather, to take his road, the narrow one. And to let the fruit come from our lives. And to be built on that foundation that never will be demolished. And instead, it lasts forever.
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for these brothers and sisters today. I know each one of them in their world has things going on, life going on, situations that come up that can easily rattle our cages. But I thank you that you're our rock. And you are the one whom we can stand on. You're the one whom we build on. So that anxieties and fears do not weigh us down. But that we can live as you called us to do. We can live life in its abundance. Because you, we know you have it. And you've got us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to have faith. Help us not to feed our lives by the things of this world. But know that your word feeds our engines so that we can go down life in a powerful way. Bless my brothers and sisters here today. Thank you for your love for them and for me for the opportunities you're going to give us this week. Help us not to fear them, Lord, but to step up because we know you've got our back. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise for the benediction and we can sing that beautiful song about the 23rd Psalm. The God of grace and glory spill into your life through the Holy Spirit His power so that you can live abundantly as Jesus called us to. Amen. The Lord my shepherd, I'll not want. He make me down to lie. In shepherd's sweet, he leadeth me. The quiet waters lie.